I love you. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, uh, and we're going to finish the Lord's Prayer today. So, maybe that's exciting, or maybe that's not. <laughs> Matthew uh, 6, 9. Our Father in the heavens, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation to the time of trial, but deliver us from evil. You King James people, deliver us from the evil one. Last week's petition was for the Lord to forgive us. And this week's petition is for the Lord to deliver us. So first, we need to uh, find out what that actually means. What does it mean? Do not de- or do not lead us into temptation. Okay. In most of our English translations, the understanding is God, don't let me be tempted at all. Don't let me be uh, tested at all. Just deliver me beforehand. Right. Lead me not into temptation, um, I don't think that's the best way to understand what's going on here. Instead, and make my case here in a second, I think it should be, God, do not let us succumb to temptation. God, help us pass the test by your spirit, by your power, by your grace, when testing comes, when trial comes, when tribulation comes, let us come through that thing uh, refined as pure gold through fire, okay? And the reason I think that... what other Bible translations have it. Matthew 6.13 in the Blessed Hope says, And don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us bow our knee and bend, but deliver us from the evil one. And so if it means the other things, okay, God, don't let me be tempted at all. Don't let me be tested at all. We got some issues with the rest of our Bible, okay? And so as a, a, a Protestant, as an evangelical, I want my Bible to say the same thing all the way through if possible, Okay? Now, I know it's a real old text, and we've got a whole bunch of different stuff going on here, but I think the Lord gathered this thing together, put these people together. His Spirit inspired the whole bit, and so if I've got issues, I'm going to work hard to make these things work, because if there's a problem with this, I think there's not a problem with this. I think there's a problem with me, okay? Amen. All right, all the evangelicals who say this is the Word of God said amen, okay? We're going to make it work. So first, the problem with saying, don't lead me into temptation at all, is God has promised to never do that anyway. Okay? James uh, 1.13, let no one say, when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Okay? God is not tempting anyone to sin. Right? God, might come as a shock, like God does not want you to sin. Right. So if you sin and think God wanted me to do that, you're wrong. Okay. You're like, okay. So God, don't lead me into the thing you promised not to lead me into is kind of a nonsensical prayer. Right. Just common sense here. All right. Second reason I, I don't think that's what the prayer is saying is God has a long history of testing his people. Okay, of, of bringing trial to his people for a specific purpose, right? We're in Matthew 6, if you can remember back to last March, which you can't, I can't either, I had to look it up. Last March, we're in Matthew 4, which is the encounter of Jesus and who in the wilderness? Duels, duels with the devil in the wilderness, right? Matthew 4, um, verse 1 says, Jesus was led up 
by the Spirit, okay, not by the devil, not by his flesh, led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So who led Jesus to the test? The Spirit. Yeah, Jesus, come on out here. We're going to get real hungry, all right? Led out by the Spirit of God, but who does the tempting? The devil, okay? You wrestle with that and then figure that out um, on your own time, okay? But the, the point is that Jesus passes the test. Jesus goes into the wilderness, duels with the devil, and he wins. And so I think that's the context of the prayer. No, not, God, never test us. Lead me not to temptation. Don't ever let me come to an, is, to an area or issue or whatever where I have to, to choose you and choose righteousness and not choose my flesh. He's not saying that. Instead, God, bring us through the testing. Refine us through what's going on here. Psalm 141 that we read. O Lord, I call on you, cry out to you, hasten to me, give ear to my voice when I call to you. Why is he calling to him? He's in a test. He's in a, does that make sense? He's in a test and he's in a trial. Verse 2. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you. The lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Right? I don't have blood of bulls and goats right here, but I've got my hands So I'm going to lift these up to you, God, in the testing. Do not let my heart incline to evil in in a test, right? I'm in a test, and I've got a choice. I can go this way and choose my flesh and choose the devil and generally choose what's easy. But God, don't let my heart incline this way. It's the same prayer. Psalm 141 is the same prayer um, that Jesus is praying in Matthew 6, 13, okay? And that, does that make sense? Right? Okay. (laughs) So this makes even more sense if you're a first century Jew, like most of your Bible, right? Most of your Bible makes more sense that way. As Jews in the first century who Jesus is talking to in the Sermon on the Mount, they have a very uh, tangible, real, like, like uh, imminent thing in their mind uh, that's in front of them. Okay, so in Jewish thought, and in my thought as well, they believe that a great testing, Okay, a great trial, a great tribulation from an evil one, right? Deliver us from the evil one, from some sort of uh, anti-Messiah, demonically empowered figure was going to come and persecute God's people uh, as part of the final testing of the people of God before the kingdom of God arrived, okay? So that's what they, you know, Daniel 12, they've got this in their bones, that there's going to be this great trial, this great testing, this great tribulation, Followed by the people who are stand strong through that thing, who serve the Lord through that thing, who don't bend their knee to the evil one through that thing, they inherit the kingdom of God when it comes. Okay, that's it's all very real to them, and again, they got they got Daniel in their bones, and they're thinking, okay, there's this evil one coming, and so God, when he comes, let uh, and persecutes us for righteousness' sake, let us stand strong through this thing. Let us not bow our knee to him and keep our knee bowed to you, even if it costs us our lives. God, deliver us through that temptation. Rescue us from that evil one when he comes. Does that make sense? It's very real for them. It's not like whatever. Like we're 2,000 years separated from this, and we've kind of got that scoffing, mocking spirit from, from Second Peter, right? Where's the promise of his coming? Believers have been saying for 2,000 years, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. He's coming. We're kind of like, okay, are, are you going to come yet? It's been 2,000 years. For them, it's, like, it's just right in their mind. The test is on their way, so the prayer is, God, let us pass the test. God, deliver us in that time of tribulation. Don't let us bow our knee 
to the coming evil one, but let us stand firm so that we inherit eternal life. And so Jesus teaches Matthew 26, Matthew 26, leading into um, the the passion and and the cross and the whole bit. Jesus is with the disciples and he says, it's the song we sing all the time. He says, watch and pray. Why? So that you don't enter into temptation. Watch and pray with me right now because this testing, this hard testing is coming mostly on Jesus. But I, don't, I, don't want, I want you guys to stand strong through it. Now, what happens when Jesus asks them to watch and wait and pray with him? You know, <laughs> they don't pass the test, right? <laughs> that, that's what's going, going on here. And so the issue is not, the issue is not whether or not testing will come. That's not the issue. The issue is, when it comes, will the disciples pass the test? And we just say, they don't, right? They didn't. At that moment, the the temptation overtakes them. They fall asleep. They scatter. All right, get to Peter. Most graphically, he's denying Jesus, okay? And I know we read that and go, God, Peter, what a tool. And that's you, you know, that like, we are Peter. Like, (laughs) that's the deal. So the, the point of the petition, lead us not to temptation and in our Bibles, the point of the petition is not that we never undergo temptation. It's not that we never undergo tribulation. That, that's inevitable, okay? And it's part of God's design for this age is that you walk through trials. And you walk through tribulation, and we'll, we'll see why in a second. So this is, this last petition in the Lord's Prayer is a prayer for strength and protection and, and deliverance when we are tested and tempted and tried in the whole bit, okay? So... My question is, and hopefully yours is, is, is why? Right? Why does God test us in this age? Why does he bring these things and allow us to go into these things in our lives? And the first reason is that God tests us to show us what's in our hearts. Okay? To show us what's going on there. If your heart is never, ever tested, you don't know what's in here, whether good or bad. All right? You might get tested and find out, like, hey, I've got a lot of trust in the Lord in here. Or you might get tested and find out, ah, Peter-like. Okay? That's, that, that's what's going on here. And this is what the disciples learned. After Matthew 26 and 27, the disciples find out, like, hey, you know what? We didn't have all this stuff settled in our hearts like we thought we did. Okay, like, you know what I mean? Like, right after they scatter all the, as they're running away, they're like, oh man, we did not think this through like we thought we did. And as Peter's in the garden, I think as he's denying, even knowing the Lord Jesus, I think he's in in his head, he's speaking these things, but in his head, he's just like, man, I totally uh, oversold myself and what I thought I would do. Like, Lord, we would die for you. And Jesus says, well, before the rooster comes three times, this is what you'll do. Okay. However, after they fail this garden test, right, and then we get into the acts of the Lord through the apostles and the next book after, how how do they do? Thumbs up, right? The book of Acts is is the disciples who denied Jesus uh, and and saved their lives. Now they're they're, uh, proclaiming Jesus and loving not their lives even unto death. And I think that's because they failed so miserably in the garden, right? They went through this test failed so when the next test comes to proclaim his name to all the nations of the earth even if it leads to death they're like all right bring it on right james you want to throw me off a temple go for it oh i hit the ground it didn't kill me we'll throw rocks at you until you die says yeah worship my brother guys he's awesome peter he's proclaiming the name of jesus he gets crucified upside down great but john we're gonna boil him in oil 
John ran away in the garden. Now is okay to be boiled in oil and, and exiled. To, and, and on and on. You see, if they if this test in the garden and failed it to prepare them for the, the test that's going to come. And they pass with flying colors. And this is the faith and tradition that we've been handed down to now and go and do the same. Okay? That's the point of testing. It is for the Lord to do what the psalmist asks him to do. God, search my heart. Uh, know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. Okay? Because you'll find out in the test. You won't find out if you're not tested. And you might find that good stuff's in there. But more than likely, you'll find bad stuff's in there. And then you cry out for grace. Okay, so deliver me from this thing. All right, so we, the example of this is, is Genesis 22 with Abraham. Um, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Okay, Abraham's got a promise. You're going to have more kids than the sand of the seashore and the stars in the sky. But at right this point, he's got one. And God says, I want you to sacrifice him, offer him as a burnt offering on, on the mountain. So God had made promises to Abraham. All right, Abraham, leave your family. You don't do that then. Abraham, go walk around in the wilderness. And Abraham says, where? And he goes, I don't know. I'll tell you when you get there. Right? So he's just walking around. Got to trust God for these things. And the reason the Lord does this and now tells him to offer his son is to test what's in Abraham's heart. To see, Abraham, do you fear the Lord? Do, do, you, do you trust the Lord or you got something else um, in your trust bank there? And do you guys know how the Abraham story ends? He passes, right? Abraham passed the test. He said, so he lifts up his hand, puts Isaac there. We don't have Isaac's dialogue back with his father. We're like, what's going on there? I imagine it's, Dad, what's that knife for, man? Where's the, where's the ram? He lifts up his hand, and the Lord says, don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God. Now, does the Lord know? Yeah, yeah, we know. John 8, he knows what's in the heart of man. This is for Abraham to know. Think in that moment, Abraham is going, okay, I'm finding out right now if I actually trust you, if I actually believe the promises that God has made. So now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son. So Abraham's faith and yours isn't proven through lack of testing. It's through intense testing that it's proven. That you find out what's what's in there. So it is for all who follow Jesus. Like if you're never, ever, 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 ever tested, never tried, never tempted, you'll never know what's going on in here. And you'll never know like how much grace you need to cry out for to pass the test if, if it never comes. So Hebrews 11, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac and he did this because he considered that God was able to raise him from the dead. Right? which he did figuratively then, and he will literally on that day. All right? So that's a positive example. We look at Abraham as one who God brought through testing, and Abraham passed. You go, okay, God, you said I'm going to have this many children. You're asking me to kill this one, so you must going to raise him up, because that's the only way the promise will come true. After, that's positive. After Abraham, we get a negative example in Abraham's family, Right? Paul writes that all these things happen for your instruction now, the readers now. So Exodus 16, their hearts are tested. The whole congregation, they're grumbling against Aaron. They're grumbling against uh, Moses, just a lot of grumbling. And they said, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots, which it's like a meat pot. All right. 
And we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day. Why? Why does God say he's going to do this? That I may test them to see whether or not they will walk in my law. Okay? So God's raining bread from the sky. <laughs> cool. After this, God says, on the seventh day, don't go gather any. I'm going to give you enough on the sixth to get you through the weekend. And what do they do? They go out and gather. Okay? So unlike Abraham, right? Abraham's this positive example. Like the, the New Testament writers call Abraham the man of faith. This is a negative example. They go out and they try to gather. Unlike Abraham, they, they are tested by the Lord and they fail. And the Lord sees your hearts are still tied up in Egypt. Which, again, meat pot. I understand. I understand. So that's first. God, God tests us to discern what's in our hearts. Okay, just to see what's going on there. Are you going to walk in my law or are you going to walk by yourself? Abraham is positive, Israel is negative. The second reason God tests us, and the one we like the least, is God brings testing to humble us, okay? Because all of us, from the moment you are born, are horrible, prideful creatures, okay? Pride, pride is, is the great sin of man, and it exalts itself against God 24-7, okay? Like, that thing is always running, and since all sins flow from here... God brings us into time of testing to shake us out of our arrogance, okay? Uh, another example from the Israelites, Deuteronomy 8. Moses is giving them the whole commandment again, okay? Again, he's giving it to them. Um, and if they keep this thing, if you're careful to do it, you'll, you'll live, you'll multiply, you'll go in and possess the land the Lord swore to give to your father, Abraham. And you shall remember the whole way the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. Why? Why has he led them through the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse 3, and he humbled you and let you hunger. He, he tested you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Why did God bring the test? That he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, okay? But by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God tested them and let them fail to cut them down to size, okay? Because here's the, here's the insanity of pride and, and the insanity of sin is there is bread raining out of the sky, okay? These are people who've been in the wilderness for 40 years and, and, and their shoes have not worn out, okay? Shoes last like six months now, okay? I don't know how long... And they have the audacity to think, we're doing pretty good for ourselves. You know what I mean? We've got a lot of bread. And man, like, I, just, you know, I oil them up every night, take care of them. Like, it's just pride. It's just pride. And so the Lord brings them through this thing and says, guys, if I didn't rain bread from the sky, you'd all be dead. And, and they, don't, they, they don't get it, Okay. The pride of man in them is still going. We're pretty awesome, you know? We don't need Moses. Maybe don't even need Yahweh. Let's try it out. 
Let, let's see how it works. We know best. And to show them that's bull, God tests them in order to humble them. And so in view of this, knowing that God is, it brings us through testing and trial and tribulation, we need to pray this way. God, I know my tendency to be arrogant. I, I know my tendency to be prideful and walk in, in, in independence instead of dependence. And so help me, God, pass this test. Deliver me from this evil in the testing in the trial, okay? Because that, I mean, that's just like, I, I just had this this um, moment last night, okay? Because so just generally, welcome to my thought world. Um, I think, I'll think about the church and, and, and making disciples. And so I was at the football game Friday night. And there's, there's uh, we have a pretty hilarious student section there with duck calls and, and, um, I don't know all of them, but I don't think I would be wrong to say um, they have that the majority of that group have no clue who Jesus is. Um, Gentiles as Gentiles can be, no no clue about anything. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, what are what are we gonna do? You know, like like how how is any of this going to work? How how are these people going to know Jesus? And that's just one instance on Friday night. You guys know a thousand people combined who have no clue about Jesus. And the pride of man in me is going, okay, I'm going to fix this, and I'm going to do this, 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 and all those things will fall on their like the only way anything good is going to get done as far as disciple making and evangelism is the power of God. And the power of, of the Spirit. And so what, even that moment just humbled me. and said, Josh, you, you don't contribute anything that's awesome. You don't. It's all got to come to the Lord. And so it humbles us and causes us to cry out, God, you have to do the thing. You have to bring manna from heaven. You have to cause the shoes not to wear out. You have to cause the feet not to break. And you have to bring water from a rock. And, and all of this stuff is, is just to cut our pride down. The third reason the Lord tests us is to teach us endurance, which we might dislike more than being humble. Okay? Loving parents give some degree of difficulty to their children so that they will grow up. Okay? Good coaches train their players for difficulty so that they win games. Okay? Like, that was a huge light bulb moment for me. Like, probably ninth grade. It's in practice, like, man, I'm re- this is really hard. And then the light bulb came on, like, oh, I guess this is for the game. Which I know, like, you should know that. But, Stoney, do they ever figure it out? They don't figure it out. Coach is just a jerk. No, it's because he wants you to win. Right? So, so it is with the Lord. God, our good God trains us for endurance now so that we can pass the test then. Right? And so think about the disciples who have this you know, apocalyptic scenario in their mind. Like, we're being tested now, so we stand then, okay? So like everything else, this point of the prayer is discipleship now based on eschatology, right? Training us now for for what's coming then. God has deemed it fit. And he's God, and he gets to do this. Like, we don't really get a say in the matter. God has deemed it fit to use trials and tribulation and testing to discipline our hearts unto repentance and belief and trust in Him so that it results in righteousness and maturity then. That's the goal. 
Like God, God gives us things now so that we are, when we are tested, then we pass. Okay. God, like teachers, wants you to pass. He wants you to pass. He doesn't want you coming to that day, whatever that day is going to look like for you, you know, whatever. He wants you to pass. He wants you to be able to stand then and trust in him and dependence on him. Like that's what he wants. His desire is that you inherit eternal life. You walk a narrow path and, and, and receive life to the full. And so he teaches us through trials now to gird up our hearts to stand firm then. Does that make sense? Okay, and that, you have to get that now. Otherwise, if you don't have a grid for trials now and, and, and how that leads to then, then trials are just going to knock you away right now because there's no context for them, right? Other, it just seems pointless. It's just coaches making us run for no reason. It's like, no, coach is making you run so that when you get here, you can run and you're not sucking wind and you pass the test, right? Hebrews 12, he said, which is a lot, Hebrews 12, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. As sons. Endure hardship as discipline because your good father, our father who's in the heavens, lead us not to temptation, is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, then you are illegitimate children and you're not true sons. How's that for Sunday morning? You know what I mean? Like if you're not, if you, there's no trial ever. There's no testing ever. The indicator from Hebrews 12 is maybe you're not a son. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. Which, <laughs> you younger kids, you will respect them for it. Okay, I, let me just tell the story real quick. When, when, when my my parents, godly, godly, wonderful Christian parents, didn't let us do anything. Okay, <laughs> and so at the time, I'm just like, oh, I am such a loser all the time. Go to I go to go to sleepovers, birthday parties. Like we're gonna watch a movie, and I'm like, what movie? <laughs> and if they say a movie, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go sit in the back room by myself. <laughs> Well, you guys watch the movie. And um, that's traumatizing for a fifth grader. All right. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I didn't, we didn't watch a lot of shows and, and, and do a lot of stuff. One hilarious thing, and please note, I don't want anyone to feel judgment or whatever. But like when we were at DCLA, we would do the Halloween party at school, and we would not go to school that day. Okay, like, because they're like, you know. Anyway, at, at the time, I'm like, my parents hate me. They don't want me to have any friends. Like, they're just whatever. And now I'm I'm 30, and I'm just so grateful. I like, I, 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 I love Tonkwa Halloween. got the cutest kids in the world. That's all I'm saying. My point is, discipline then. Now I'm like, man, I respect you guys so much. Thank you for, you know. I did watch the movies later when I got older, because uh, I wasn't praying the Lord's Prayer, God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me. So I, I did watch Beetleborgs later. I, I've even seen an episode of The Simpsons um, before. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. 
So honor and respect you. Thank you. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? Right? If I respect my earthly father and I submit to my, my God, my, my father in heaven, I'm going to live in the resurrection, right? I'm going to come alive now, but I'm going to live on that day. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. Okay? This isn't a parenting sermon, but parents, you do your best. That's, that's all you can do. You do your best. Okay? Uh, um, for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness, okay? The resurrection of the dead. Right, right, when you are made holy as he is holy. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, okay? Why are we watching the PG movie instead of the G movie, okay? But painful. Later on, however, okay, later on, now, discipline now, eschatology, later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You see, it's the same language. Testing, trial, tribulation, training now so that you have a harvest of righteousness and holiness and eternal life then. Like, everyone understands this. This is how things work. You go through tri trials and temptations and tribulations now for then. That's the point, okay? Like, I'm starting to cook now, and I'm figuring out if I put more time into the preparation, the end result is much better. Just how, you know, I don't like it. Not happy about it. Sierra's a far better cook than me, but it's just how it works. This is how everything works. Therefore, verse 12, strengthen your feeble arms. And your weak knees. How does that happen? Pumping iron, right? Training. Now, I would recommend sunlight, vitamin D, water, eight to nine hours of sleep, the whole bit. Strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knee. If there is no testing now, okay? If there's no testing now, I promise you there's no maturity then. It just won't happen. It absolutely won't happen, uh, you know. I guess the Lord can do whatever he wants to, but generally, if there's no testing now, no trial now, there won't be maturity and righteousness and holiness then. So God, don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us, deliver us from evil. And, and it's painful, and it's hard, okay? Jesus doesn't stroll into the desert whistling. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and, the, and the, the accuser, the father of lies, that crafty serpent of old, comes to him and says, hey, here's some bread. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, Jesus, fully God, fully man. Mark tells us that story to focus on the humanity bit, right? It says, and he was hungry. <laughs> I read Mark with people who have, like, never read Mark before, and they giggle at that. Well, yeah, it just said he hadn't eaten in 40 days. Of course he's hungry. It's no picnic is what I'm saying. But the desert for Jesus was a, it's a proving ground. It's a testing ground so that Jesus passed this test in, in the garden in Matthew chapter 4, in the desert in chapter 4, so that he could pass it in the garden in Matthew 27. Does that make sense? This test, right? Because you, you think the devil's not tempting him in the garden when he's praying and, and sweating blood and praying, Father, not my will, but you'll be done. If, if, if we can do anything else, if it's possible, let this cup pass me by, right? Totally normal prayer. I would rather not go through temptation. 
I would rather not go through trial. I would rather not go through tribulation. But, not my will, but your will be done. And if I'm going to go through this, you are producing something in me. Right? And so, if you raise your hand if you're really happy Jesus passed that garden test. Yeah, I am very happy about that. The testing and the trial, it's unto something. Okay, there, there, there's a, a purpose and point to it. Listen to Paul, 2 Corinthians um, 1. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Okay? Very bad. Very bad. Indeed, we felt we'd received a sentence of death. Why did God allow this? Why did God allow things to be hard for them in Asia? But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That's the heart of the prayer. God, oh, oh God, don't let us yield to temptation, even to the point of, of, of the feeling of death here, but deliver us from evil. So verse 10, good news, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. So that's the point of the testing. James 1, 3, the testing of our faith produces what? Endurance, strength. Okay, maturity and endurance is necessary for you to inherit eternal life. Okay, and so please, 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 like, like this was also last night. I'm going long because I had, I thought about this a lot last night. Sorry. Okay, it's still Pastor Appreciation Month, so I got <laughs> 10 minute longer sermon here. Okay, no, is it like, I, I, it was, it, I don't remember my dreams very much, but this was like a nightmare thought. Okay. Is that a time of, of testing comes, right? You know, maybe just on you personally, or maybe on the whole earth, right? This testing comes, and I had your faces in my mind saying, Josh, why didn't you tell us? Why, why did you never tell us that testing would come? Why did, you, why did you tell us that things would be easy and we would just stroll and whistle into eternal life? And in the dream, I was going, No, I didn't tell you that. I told you there would be testing. I told you there would be trials. I told you there would be tribulations so that you would be ready. And then the dream shifted and switched. And instead you were going, thank you for telling me. As your head's being lopped off. (laughs) You know. Because you were ready. You were prepared. You you weren't going to bow your knee because you were tested now. To be mature then, okay? Like, I just, please don't get to that day and, and talk to the Lord. But yeah, he never told us. <laughs> he never said anything. Okay? So, just real quick. I, I'm talking about testing from the Lord. That's different than temptation from the devil. Do I need to go? Okay? When the Lord tests you. You embrace that thing, okay? You put the yoke on you. Limitations 3, it's good for a young man to bear the yoke in his youth, right? He's trained by it. You put that on. When the devil tempts you, you run and flee, okay? You don't, don't play around. Don't mess with that. Physically, use your legs and, and, and run away. That's, that's all we'll say there, okay? So the point is, with the Lord's tests or the devil's temptation, the prayer is this, God, don't let us yield to temptation, Okay? Deliver us through these things. That The mercy of God in this age is that we do this. We pray this prayer over and over and over and over and over so that at the day of the Lord we're ready. At the day of the Lord we can stand. When persecution comes, it's not our first rodeo. 
Right? We've passed that test in a million little ways. Okay? Just, just little ways. When apostasy is offered, when you know, keep your life maybe, or keep your job, when that's offered to you, you've already passed that test a million little ways. Okay? And you don't bow the knee. Passing tests now prepares you for the greatest test that is then. Watching and praying now prepares you to watch and pray then. Okay, just stick with that apocalyptic bit. Guys, you think we're going to magically have a prayer life in God and watch and pray then if we're not doing it now when things are easy? Probably not. Probably not. Right? If we're building a sandy house now, it's not going to magically turn into rock then. So watch and pray now so that you watch and pray then and you look for the, 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 the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, when he appears in glory. Okay. So here's the question, and then I'll be done. What about when you don't pass the test? Right? Okay. What do we do when either a test from the Lord or a temptation from the devil, on the other side of that, we find out that we are immature and we find out that we are we're, we're wanting, and if if the end of days came now, we likely wouldn't pass that test. Okay, what do you do? Because because I'll tell you what the enemy's doing right then. When when you uh, succumb to temptation or when you don't um, pass a test, that's when the enemy's yeah, he's so loud, so loud. Man, you worthless, pathetic failure. You said you loved God. You obviously don't. Okay. Maybe just me. All right. When you fail the test, you pray, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay? And you own your failure, and you own your sin, and you don't blame anybody. Okay? You don't blame God. James 1, don't say it was God's fault. You don't even blame the devil. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he says, No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. Okay, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Okay? So don't blame God. Don't blame the devil. He won't. God's not going to let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, God will also provide the way of escape that you may endure it. Okay? So it, we're still on the failure here. God tested you. The devil tempted you. And you failed. God provided you a way out, and you still failed. You own it. You just own that thing, okay? And after you've owned your failure, you remind yourself, okay? And if, you know, depending on how charismatic Pentecostal you are, you remind the devil too. It's just a hallmark. We shout at the devil a lot. Ah, devil, you know what I mean? You go at him too, and you remind the one who tempts you of Romans 5, Okay, just go back here. I, I got it in NLT here because I, I liked how some of it was worded. God, you remind him, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we're still sinners, right? While I fail, while the temptation came and you gave me a way out and I said, not taking the way out, going to go my own way. In that moment, God sent Christ to die for us while I'm still a sinner. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's judgment. For since we were restored to friendship with God by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be delivered. From eternal punishment by his life. God, I I prayed, God, don't let me yield to temptation, but deliver me from evil. And instead, I yielded to temptation, and the prayer is still, I will certainly be delivered from eternal punishment by his life. 
you got to have that in your gun, okay? Because you're, you're going to succumb to temptation, and you're not going to pass the test. And if you don't have this, the death of Jesus on your behalf, if you don't have that in here, you're just going to walk away. And you're just going to say, there's no way I'm going to inherit eternal life and better do whatever I want now. That's not true. If you fail a test, he's, he's provided deliverance for you. And so you pray this, and you shout this, and you sing this, and you ready yourself for the next temptation to come, right? Because that's kind of the beauty of it. If you fail one test or one temptation, I promise you, like, wait five minutes. You'll get another shot, right? All right, so good news here. And if the music team could come up. So you pray, Lord, deliver me from this thing. Second Peter 2, a day of the Lord passage, if there ever was one. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation. He knows how. He will absolutely do this thing. He knows how to preserve you and bring you through trial, and he's going to do it. 2 Timothy 2.4, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. He will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And after the Lord delivers those who watch and pray, okay, at the day of the Lord, after he does this, if, if, look, please look at, at your screen here. Luke 12. After you've been delivered from every evil deed, he says, stay dressed, ready for action, keep your lamps burning, be like men who are waiting for their master to come home, watch and pray. Blessed are those servants who the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you. So after you've watched and prayed and gone through trial and gone through temptation and, 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 and made it through by the skin of your teeth, right? Hanging on to the Lord with everything you've got, just crawling across the finish line. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service. He will have you who've passed the test, who've made it through this thing, he will say, have a seat, recline at the table, and Jesus Christ will come and serve you a meal. So, eschatology, Jesus serving me a meal, dressed as a servant, trains me now. God, I'm going to pass this test now. I'm going to cry out for uh, um, perseverance now. I'm going to cry out for your spirit now. With this view of Jesus the servant pulling me a chair, serving me a meal then. God, don't let me yield to temptation. I know, I've got deliverance coming. I'm I'm getting a meal at this thing. James 1.12, Blessed is the man and woman who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, after the test, when he stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Fair enough. Come, Lord. Let's stand and pray for us. Uh, Father, um, God, we would prefer not be tested. We would prefer not be tried. And so we pray, God, Do not let us yield to temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, rescue us from the evil one. We ask you, God, for um, all who are in a test right now, you give them discernment, whether that's a test from the Lord or or a temptation uh, from the enemy. God, would you cause us to stand strong by your spirit, God.
God, for those temptations. Thank you that you've provided a way out. You have not left us alone, God, to, to fight on our uh, by ourselves or in our own strength. God, you've given us the Spirit, God, to lead us into righteousness, out of temptation. God, thank you for the witness and testimony um, of our church members here who've walked through testing, who've walked through trial, who've walked through tribulation and are coming out as pure gold and refined fire as models for us. God, to them, we say, blessed is the man who has passed the test. Blessed is the man who has gone through the trial. He will receive a crown of life. And you will come and serve them a meal. our hands steady, Lord. Don't let us yield to temptation. Don't let us bow our knee. Thank you for your promise to deliver us, God. To bring us out. God, for those who have fail the test. For those who have, have succumbed to temptation, would you remind them of the gospel that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners? That you remove our sin as far as the east is from the west. That a good man has died for wicked men.